This program is made possible by the friends and partners of Unspeakable Joy. I want you to look in Isaiah chapter 6. I'm going to do something that I don't normally do. I'm going to read several verses tonight, beginning in verse number 1 down to verse number 8. Went out on my prayer walk this afternoon asking the Lord for the word for tonight. This is what was on my mind and in my heart. In verse number 1 of chapter 6 of the book of Isaiah, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Now I want you to notice that little verse right there. In the year that King Uzziah died. That's bad news. Uzziah reigned for 52 years in Israel. That's bad news when a long-standing monarch dies. But watch what it says. In the year that he died, I saw also the Lord sitting on his throne. Just because you got bad going on don't mean you can't have good going on. He saw the Lord high and lifted up. That's good news. Uzziah dying is bad news, but God being lifted up is good news, and he saw all of it in the same year. Brothers and sisters, just because you got bad stuff going on right now doesn't mean God ain't in the process of doing some good stuff. Just because it don't look good right now doesn't mean it's going to always look bad. Just because you can't see it doesn't mean it ain't coming. He said, I saw that Uzziah died, but man, that same year I also saw the Lord high. And somebody ought to preach on that little verse right there. That's not my message, verse number 2. Above it, it stood the seraphims, each one having six wings. With twain he covered his feet. With twain he covered his, uh, or his face. Then with twain he covered his feet. With twain he did fly. He had two wings that covered the face. He couldn't look at God. He had two that covered his feet because he didn't want to be exposed before God. And then two were flying because God was so holy, no man could stay in the presence of God and live. Watch what it says in verse number 3. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts, and the whole earth is full of his glory. Now, get that in your mind, right in the, in the smack dab in the middle of the problems that Isaiah's got going on. He opens up the heavens, God does, and Isaiah looks up and he sees what's happening in heaven. And in heaven, this is the story of what's going on. He looks and the seraphim are flying around the throne of God and they're singing this song, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God of hosts, and the whole earth is full of His glory. Now, may I ask you a question? I've heard this said. From the moment that the angels have, were created, that they sang that song around the throne of God. Here is my question to you. Are they still singing that song? You're wrong. You see, the next time we open up heaven is in Revelation chapter 5. And there's a song being sung around the throne of God. And it's not the song, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God of hosts. 
Revelation chapter 4 and Revelation chapter 5, the heavens open up and the 20 and 4 elders are gathered around the throne of God. And do you know what the hosts of heaven are now singing at the throne of God? They're saying, worthy is the lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world who is worthy to receive glory and worthy to receive honor and worthy to receive praise. Now here is the whole point. If the angels in heaven were still saying, holy, holy, holy. They have to fly around. They can't stay still. Good God in heaven. But the next time you see the throne of God, people aren't running around like a bunch of chickens with their heads cut off, but they've got the privilege and the honor to be bowed down in peace and in the presence of God. And they're saying, worthy. My God, I got God buns from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet. Worthy, worthy, worthy is the lamb that was slain. No more are they flying around, but they're settled in his presence. Do you know how there's peace in heaven and there's tranquility in heaven and there's joy in heaven because of the lamb that gave his life and shed his blood and I don't have to be unsettled in the presence of God. I get to bow in his presence and say worthy because of the lamb that was slain. Now watch what it says in verse number four. Verse number four, and the posts of the door moved at the voice of him that cried and the house was filled with smoke. Then said I, woe is me, for I am undone. Because I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken, from, uh, which he had taken with the tongs from the altar. And he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this hath touched thy lips, and thine iniquity is taken from thee, and thy sin is purged. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then said I, Here am I, send me. Isaiah has gotten a glimpse of God. Here in the passage, let me unfold it for you. You are roughly 700 years before the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ the first time. Isaiah has been considered the miniature Bible. If you could only have one book in the New Testament that summarized everything in the New Testament, it would be the book of Romans. For in it you have the justification by faith, in it you have the life of the child of God, and in it you have faith in Jesus Christ. If you only had one book in the Old Testament, the one book that you would want would be the book of Isaiah. They say that Isaiah is a Bible in a nutshell. Because just as the Bible has 66 books, so Isaiah has 66 chapters. Just as the Bible has two sections, the Old Testament and the New Testament, so Isaiah has two sections, the Old Covenant and then the coming New covenant. Just as the Old Testament has 39 books in the first section, so the book of Isaiah has 39 chapters in the 
the first section and the New Testament has 27 books in the new section. So Isaiah has 27 chapters in the new section. Just as the Old Testament ends with a curse, so does the, 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 the book of Isaiah in chapter 39 ends with a curse. But the New Testament does not begin with a curse. It begins with the comfort, the fact that Messiah has come. So Isaiah's second section, chapter 40, it begins with this phrase, comfort ye, comfort ye my people. If you only had one book to read in the Old Testament, it would be the book of Isaiah. And Isaiah, here we have the call to the ministry. We have Isaiah's call out of the city of Jerusalem into the ministry of Jehovah. Now, Isaiah serves in the ministry of four kings. He serves at the end of the life of Uzziah. He serves under the reign of Jotham. He serves during the kingship of, uh, of Ahaz. He then serves under King Hezekiah, but he is slain by King Manasseh. When you fast forward to the book of, uh, of Hebrews chapter 11, at the end of the chapter, it talks about these all died in faith. Some of them, they were sown asunder. Do you know how Isaiah died? Manasseh put him underneath a saw, a circular saw, and cut Isaiah from stem to stern for standing against the gods of the Canaanites and for Jehovah. You see, the call of God will cost you something. If you're going to walk with God and you're going to serve God and you're really going to go into the fields with God, it is going to cost you something. Now, that word call is not something we hear a whole lot about anymore. We don't hear the call to the ministry. We don't hear the call to preach. We don't hear the call to serve. There's a lot of people. I used to hear them. They talked about, I feel called to be a deacon. There were people that would say, I feel called to be a teacher. There were people that would say, I feel called to be a missionary. There were people that say, I feel called to be a preacher's wife. There were people that say, I feel the calling of God on my life to do X, Y, or Z. We don't look at the call of God anymore as the call of God. We look at now, it's a professional choice. It's a career path that maybe you ought to take. My daddy was in it or my grandfather was in it. Therefore, I must go in it. Ladies and gentlemen, God always has called the people that he wants to serve in the harvest fields of the master. It's still a call. Let me give you four things very quickly about the call of Isaiah. Number one, I see the call from heaven. Notice what it says in verse number eight. And I heard the voice of the Lord say, whom shall I send? Ladies and gentlemen, when a young man, whenever a person, whenever a teacher, whenever a deacon, whenever a preacher's wife, whenever a missionary, whenever a pastor, whenever an evangelist, whatever it is, whenever they get a call from God, they cannot explain it. They cannot put it into words. They cannot fathom it. Do you know why? Because it did not come from the human heart. It came out of heaven. Isaiah looked and he said, God, I don't know if that's you. 
you, but it's got to be you. I just want to be a lowly Levite. I just want to be a teacher. I just want to be a professor of the law. But I got something churning and burning and turning on the inside of me. Ladies and gentlemen, there are people in this room right now. There are young men in this room. There are young women in this room. And you cannot explain it. You cannot put it into words. But there is something turning on the inside of you. Do you know what that is? That's the call of God. He's calling you to something. He's calling you to go somewhere. He's calling you to step out in faith. When I was called to preach over 20, almost 20 years ago now, when I was called to preach, I could not explain it. I could not put it into words. I just knew something out of heaven was drawing me. Something out of heaven was pulling on me. Something out of heaven wanted me to go in a direction. I didn't understand the direction. I couldn't put it into words. That's what the call of God is in the life of a person. My wife will tell you, when she was a teenager, she felt God call her to be married to a preacher. Brothers and sisters, it's not a career choice that you're getting into. It's not a good profession to get into. There are people on the mission field right now, and they are saying, you know what? I felt a call from heaven to go. And we're wondering why God's not raising up preachers. And we're wondering why God's not raising up missionaries. And we wonder why God's not calling preacher women to be married to preachers and love them and support them. Do you know why? We're not explaining the call to people. And they had this burn on the inside of them. And then somebody comes along. And number two, there's the confusion after the call. You see, whenever you've got a burden from heaven, you can't explain it to people. You'll work and you'll work and you'll work to try to explain it to people. And the more you talk, the more confused you get in your mind. The more you talk, the more they look at you like you're crazy. Brothers and sisters, when I was first called to preach, I mean, when I was in my bedroom, second story, 6101 Oakland Drive, Gibsonville, North Carolina, 27249, second floor, side room, booger green walls, three stooges, posters on the walls. When I was there, I immediately felt something calling me to do, to go, to be. Immediately when the call comes, there's confusion. Where does the confusion come in for Isaiah? Watch what he says. I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? Watch the next phrase, Austin. Who will go for? What's it say? Us. Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? In the same sentence, God uses two different amounts of people. Whom shall I? Are you looking at that? that, You see what I'm saying? Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? I imagine Isaiah said, wait a second. I'm a little taken back here. Am I supposed to? Am I not supposed to? Is it you calling? Is it them calling? What's going on? You see, there'll always be confusion when you go to take a step of faith for God. There'll always be fear. There'll always be panic. There'll always be anxiety. 
There'll always be chaos. There'll always be confusion. Do you know why? Number one, because it causes you to seek after God. And number two, the devil doesn't want you to go with God. The devil can't stand you stepping out in faith. He'll send somebody your way and tell you you're going to go broke. He'll send somebody your way and tell you you're going to starve to death. He'll send somebody your way and say there ain't no retirement program. He'll send somebody your way and say you're not going to have health insurance. He'll send somebody your way and say you're going to grow up poor. He'll send somebody your way and get your mind all mad. Listen to me. Stop. I'm getting a little resistance right now in the house of God. You do understand at the end of the day, I'm not living the American dream. I've got a dream that's set it up in heaven and I've come to serve and serve notice on the devil. I'm not serving man. I'm serving the Lord God of heaven. And the call comes. The devil knows if somebody ever gets locked in with God, they are a danger to the program of the enemy. So you know what he'll do? He'll start confusing you. Can you imagine when Isaiah wrote down verse number 8? Whom shall I send? Who will go for? And he showed it to somebody. Somebody probably scratched his head and said, You not see anything wrong with this Isaiah? Is it I or is it us? Is it him or is it them? Is it they or is it... Who is it? Isaiah probably said, I can't really explain it. I just know that's what he said. Can I tell you something? At the end of the day, if your only explanation is, I just know God wants it, you probably have been called by God. If you can explain a reason why, you've probably not been called by God. Number three, there's confusion. There's the call, there's the confusion. Number three... There's the choice. Watch what he says in verse number 8. Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then said I, here am I, send me. Isaiah has got to make a choice. Brothers and sisters, I, I don't know how to say this without just saying this. So you just let me say this because if I don't just say this, you're not going to know what I'm saying. You can't just willy-nilly your way in the things of God. Choice is required. I'm not talking about them little half baby steps. I'm not just talking about skirting around the issue and hoping you stay on solid ground. When Peter stepped out of the boat, I imagine that Peter probably did not just take one leg out and just dip his toe in that thing. You know why? Because when he dipped that toe, his toe sank down in that water. Do you know the only way Peter walked on the water? When he said, you know what, Lord? Sink or swim, I'm getting out of this vessel. Honey, he threw his leg over the side of that thing and he stepped out and all because he made a choice who in here right now has been back and forth with God you've been going that way I think I'm going to do that I think I'm not going to do that maybe I should do that maybe I shouldn't can I just help somebody right now it's time for you to either get on or get off it's time for you to either get in or get out it's time for you to either make the choice or don't make the choice but I'm telling you time is short and some Somebody's got to go make the choice. But then number four, after the call comes the confusion, and after the confusion comes the choice, and after the choice comes the course. Watch what happens in verse number nine. And he said, go and tell this people, hear ye indeed, 
but understand not. See ye indeed, but perceive not. Go and tell. Time out. Way back yonder in verse number 3, 4, and 5, Isaiah said, Lord, I'm a man of unclean lips. I don't even have the ability to talk. What am I going to say? God said this, make the choice and I'll show you the next step. Can I tell you why so many people will not follow God? Because God won't give you the whole plan. I'm not preaching at you, I'm preaching with you right now. I'm not talking to you, I'm talking with you right now. You and I both know if God would lay out everywhere we were going to go, we'd be more than happy to follow Him, but that requires no faith. And whatsoever is not of faith, it is sin. And God is requiring a step from you. He's requiring a choice from you. He's not asking you to figure the whole thing out. He's not figuring, asking you to figure out where the money's coming from. He's not asking you to figure out how it's going to work out. He's not asking you to put it all together. He's just asking you to make the choice. And after you make the choice, the course comes. Who in here is held back on God out of fear? You have just absolutely been paralyzed to make the choice. Somebody needs to say, Lord, here am I. Send me. You can apply that in a thousand areas of your life. But tonight I'm looking at a big picture. I'm looking at a nation in Isaiah that had forgotten their way. I'm looking at a nation in Isaiah that had lost its course. I'm looking at a nation in Isaiah that had stepped aside and God was thundering out of heaven. Who's going to go to that nation? Who's going to go to that people? Who's going to go and speak to them? Isaiah says, Lord, I may not be much, but I will go. I may not have much, but I will go. Brothers and sisters, I'm telling you right now, the clarion call is coming forth through time and eternity to go to a nation and to go to a people and to go to the churches that are dying around us and to go of places that we do not even understand. He's sending out the call. Who will go to a nation that's floundering and dying there? Can you imagine? Let me just stop and clear me off a spot because I've been so furious the last couple of days. Can you imagine General MacArthur letting a balloon from Nazi Germany fly all the way over the continental United States and then once it just takes a bit of everything and I've heard everything. I've heard the liberals say, well, it really wasn't doing much. It's the symbol of of what it's doing. We have no backbone. We have no, we have no pathos. We have no authority. And do you know why? Because there's no righteousness. Proverbs says the righteous are bold as a lion, but the wicked will flee when no man pursueth. Because there's no boldness on the inside. There's no holiness on the inside. There's no righteousness on the inside. Americans do not have boldness anymore. And God is saying, who's going to go and tell them the truth about God? Who's going to go? and tell them it's all going to be okay if they'll turn back to me. He says, who will go and say of my people? The call goes out. God's looking for somebody that'll take that step of faith and say, God, I'm willing to leave it all. I'm willing to step aside. I'm willing to go. God, I may lose family. I may lose friends. I may lose money. I may lose backing. But God, I will go. Here am I. Send me. God is looking. The call comes. Who will go? Who will go to a land that's lost her way? Who will go to churches that flounder with death? Who will go? 
And God says, the call goes out. I'll give you three things about this call of Isaiah that drew Isaiah. Number one, the first thing that Isaiah was so shaken by was the instability he saw. If you look back in verse number one, it says in the year that King Uzziah died. Then if you look down in verse number four, and the posts of the door moved at the voice of him. Watch this. Two things were in upheaval. The nation was in upheaval and the house of God was in upheaval. In the year the king Uzziah died, upheaval. I saw the posts of the door. There were two posts that stood on the outside of the temple. They were massive in their diameter. They were massive in their weight. They were two posts. One was named Yassin. The other was named Boaz. And they held up the the portico, the porch of the house of God. And all of a sudden, the earth started shaking. And the earth started moving. And the house of God started shaking. And here's what Isaiah said. Isaiah said, this is not good. I've got to go to a nation that doesn't have a king anymore. got to go down to the house of God where the pillars are shaken. Brothers and sisters, right now, you look around at the nation. We all love the comfort of our home. We all love the comfort of our church. We all love the comfort of our friends, our friends and family. We all love the comfort of knowing what's coming. But look at the foundations of our land as they're shaken right now. It is an everyday occurrence now where you and I go somewhere and we see somebody that is a cross-dresser, that's somebody that's that's just brokenhearted in transgenderism. It breaks my heart. I don't get mad about this stuff. It's not a phobia and a fear. It shatters my soul to see young people that think that's the answer to their life. That's the way that they're going to find fulfillment in their life. There's no fulfillment in that any more than there's fulfillment at the end of a bottle. There's fulfillment at the end of a joint, at the end of a snort pot. There's no fulfillment, but the foundations are shaken. And God says, who go? And we leave. And we go eat our dinner. And all the while the foundations continue to shake. God, I'll go, but I'm only going to go so far. God, I'll go, but just please don't make me sacrifice something. Isaiah said, here am I. Send me. The call goes forth. For a man or a woman who'll go to a nation that's unstable? Who'll go to a church that's unstable? Who'll go? God's looking for somebody to say, Here I am. Send me. There's an instability that Isaiah is drawn to. He says, God, I don't know if I can fix it. But I'll go. The second thing that he just couldn't get out of his mind was the image that he saw. He saw instability and that made him want to go. Then he saw an image and that made him want to go. What did he see? I'll tell you what he saw. In the year that King Uzziah died, verse number 1, I also saw the Lord high and lifted up. Now watch this. He looks at Israel who is low and despondent. But he gets a glimpse of heaven. And the heavens, he sees the Lord high and lifted up. 
Now here's what he got a glimpse of. He said, God, if everything's okay up there, why is everything not okay down here? If everything is at peace up there, why is everything not at peace down here? If everybody's happy up there, why is nobody happy down here? If everybody's got joy up there, why does nobody have joy down here? He said, wait a second. I know what's a problem. Somebody's got to go grab a hold of heaven and bring heaven down to a hell-filled earth. He says, Lord, I'll go. Here am I. Send me. Ladies and gentlemen, there is instability in our world. There's a lack of peace in our world. There's a lack of hope in our world. There's a lack of joy in our world. There's a lack of, uh, 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 of tranquility in our world. There's a lack of boldness in our world. There's a lack of sustenance in our world. There's a lack of hope in our world. But it doesn't have to be that way because in heaven there is peace and in heaven there is sustenance and in heaven there is joy and in heaven there is stability and in heaven there is hope. Do you know what's got to happen? Somebody has got to look up to heaven and say, God, I'll grab hold of heaven and yank it down to a hell-filled earth. He couldn't get out of his mind. What he was seeing up there wasn't what he's seeing down here. Does it not bother you? What you're seeing down here ain't the way it's supposed to be. It's not the way God intends for it to be. I read an article today. And the article said, America is ripe for a revival. Do you know why America is ripe for a revival? Because down deep in the human heart, there is this hope that it's got to be better than this. And God says, who'll go tell them the way? Isaiah says, here am I. Send me. Do you know what it cost Isaiah to step out and to walk with God? It cost him everything. It cost him friends. It cost him family. It cost him stability. It cost him Everything. But I want to show you number three. The inability that Isaiah fought. If you'll notice in verse number five, he says this. He says, woe is me, for I am undone. I am a man of unclean lips. And I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. Isaiah makes three statements about himself. He says, number one, I'm a mess. I'm undone. Number two, God, these lips aren't able to tell what I'm seeing. These lips are unclean. And then number three, he said, this world's too messed up. He said, I live in the midst of an unclean people. It is absolutely Absolutely overwhelming to see the jobs that have got to be done in our world. When we throw everything we've got at the fire, behind it somebody's done lit off a nuclear bomb. We do everything we can to put the building fire and the brush fire out. And what we don't realize is there's whole cities and states on fire. Isaiah says, God, I can't do it. I'm undone. I'm a mess. 
My mouth is not even sufficient. And they're all crazy. I want you to watch what God does though. In verse number 6, Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs from off the altar, and he laid it upon my mouth. Question, why'd God do that? You ready? I ain't got no idea. I'm sure there's a reason. But do you know that's the first time God's ever done that? And that's going to be the last time God ever does that? Takes a coal from off the altar in heaven and cleans a man's mouth? Do you know what God was trying to show Isaiah? Isaiah, if you'll take your inability and give it to me, I'll do something with you and through you that you won't be able to explain, but I'll use you. Can you imagine Isaiah, Brother Tim, standing up and Isaiah saying this, I'm ready. Somebody says, what makes you ready? And he probably looked at him and said, God done touched my lips with the coal. Can you imagine what those people probably thought about him? Can I tell you something? People will always think you're crazy when you step out to follow God. And God has ways and He has plans and programs and schemes and procedures to get you ready. Now let me take that and apply this to where you're sitting. God's not asking everybody to go to the nation. God's not asking everybody to go pastor a church. But He is asking some of you to have enough faith when he says, who can I send to that lady next door? There's somebody at the gas pump. Who'll go? Who's going to walk beside the cubicle and just mention that there is a God in heaven? Who will go for us? God's waiting on you to say, here am I. Send me. And all of a sudden the excuses start coming. God, I don't, I'm a mess. They're a mess. I don't know what to say. And God says, you walk by faith and it'll be okay. It may be somebody in this building right now. Somebody that'll watch this online. Somebody that, that, that picks this up later. It may be a job. And God keeps laying it in front of you. That, that thing, that step of faith, it's going to require a step of faith. He's just saying... Who will go? He's waiting on somebody to say, Lord, here I am. Send me. It'll cost you something to walk with God. It'll cost you something to seek the face of God. You will lose people. You will step out of comfort zones. But you will never fail. They that put their trust in the Lord shall never be ashamed. The fear of man is a snare. But they that put their confidence in the Lord shall never fall. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not to thine own understanding. King Tyler version, don't try to figure it out. 
But in all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Who will go? Who will go to a land? Who will go to your neighbor? Who will go? Here am I. I'll go.